Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency in Running podcast. My name is Liz, and I'll be your host. I'm incredibly excited for today's episode because we have the category director of running footwear for Adidas. Today, we are interviewing JT about the new line of the Supernova Rise, what's to come, and his running journey himself. So just sit back and relax. We'll just jump right into the episode. All right. I am so excited to have JT on the podcast today. JT and I met very briefly when I was at Adidas HQ a few months ago when he was introducing the new and very exciting Supernova Rise shoe. JT will introduce himself and kind of talk about his role at Adidas, but he was one of the main, if not, I'm guessing the main person sort of behind the shoe itself. And I'm really excited to have him on today to discuss sort of what went into the creation of the shoe. I thought the user surveying and everything that went into you know this everyday shoe from adidas was so interesting so i'm really excited to hear more but i'll give jt a chance to introduce himself thank you liz it's so appreciated and thank you very much of course first for having me today my name is jt newcomb i'm category director for running footwear at adidas um, and yes did have the privilege and pleasure of being a part of bringing something new in the this relaunch of the supernova family of shoes and especially the supernova rise uh to to the world uh, this year. First of all, I would say that you you mentioned the people involved in this. This is a huge team, and some one of the things I think we'll talk about today is um, how much goes into creating something new, creating new running shoes. Um, and so I have I'm in in the really privileged position of getting to represent a broad team that brings a lot of skill sets and specific knowledge to making great product. Um, but I'm just one one of many people involved. Yeah, of course. And before we sort of talk about the shoe and everything, I feel like something that we didn't get to hear about as much that I'd love to hear more about is you yourself as a runner. And I find it so cool that like you are a runner and you have this incredible role at Adidas and you really get to kind of bring that passion into your everyday work. But I'd love to hear more about your running journey and, you know, you as a runner yourself. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much for that. I, um, as, as you pointed out, it's, it's not lost on me either. I wake up every day finding it cool that my work is my, my hobby and my passion. And it's, it's not always been that way. Um, I got to experience taking life a different direction and then course correcting into this. So maybe I'll say a little bit about coming to running as a, as a sport and as a passion first, and then maybe as coming to it in work as well. Um, but I, I came to running in the way that many, many people do. Um, not not an unfamiliar story to say that I got to running from uh, riding the bench of a JV soccer team. Uh, mm. Like so, so many people who, you know, managed, grew up playing soccer, but weren't the best at it, especially in the US. Obviously, this is a American uh, experience, right? Where there's a lot of yeah. rec soccer. It's something that's easy to participate in. It's easy to get into. And I, I thought that probably my sport love, but growing up, I didn't have a very good appreciation for how much better the kids who were playing a select Select and travel league soccer were technically than me coming <laughs> up in in recreational leagues. Um, so I played on the JV soccer team my freshman year of high school, um, and playing involved sitting on the bench unless we were up by five or more, which doesn't happen a ton in, in the beautiful <laughs> game. But I had a couple of friends who ran cross country, and they convinced me to go out for cross country the following fall, uh, at least under the premise of getting in better shape for soccer. Um, mm. And I've 
I would say I found out I was better at it, but it it wasn't it wasn't that. It was I found out how how quickly you can progress in running when you when you dedicate yourself to it or you spend time with it. Um, how rewarding it is, how much of a great opportunity there is to participate. There's no bench sitting on the cross country team, right? Everyone runs. Yeah. Um, and I fell fell wildly in love with it, the people in it, the sport, um, so much of that experience. And then from there, it's at every phase of life. Every time I thought that maybe running would sunset and life would change. It's just evolved and stayed with me. I went, went off to college and didn't think that running was going to be a big part of my college experience, but I went to a division three school where I was fortunate to be able to walk on to a D3 team. Um, and I was one of the last uh, mediocre people in the back of the pack. So when I say I run in college, I, I got to participate. They gave me a kit. They gave me a <laughs> uniform. That's really um, cool. It, but it was the, the coolness of the experience. I loved to doing it. I love being part of that team. I thought I would run one marathon after college and I caught that bug immediately after finishing thinking I could have done that better and want to go again. And it's kept going and evolving. And I've been at this now for 20 years um, and just love the sport. It's mm. very clearly never going to go away. It's just going to keep evolving what it looks like in my life. Yeah. Is the marathon your favorite race to run? Favorite's a, an interesting word. I would say <laughs> that the marathon is the race that I am most inexplicably drawn to in sort of a, in an almost romantic way. There's something about it. I think that the perfect race is the half marathon. I think objectively the half marathon is the yeah. perfect event. Uh, marathon is for, so for those people. that are a little more mentally, I don't know, they want something a little bit more and they kind of want to challenge themselves. But the marathon yeah. I find almost is like you have to do, you know, the physical training, obviously, but it takes such a magnitude of mental training to really get yourself through especially that last 10k of the marathon i could not ag agree more um that is it's it's a special beast and it's not something that everyone has to do it's not something that you have to do all the time even if you are a marathoner i mean even myself i've don't think I've ever run more than one marathon a year. It's something that mm. I just check in with from time to time. And I love it. I think about it a lot. I think of myself as a marathoner, but I don't know why it is that I feel compelled to do it when I could have just as much fun running half marathons and 10Ks. And there's just something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which one's been your favorite so far? Um, favorite experience, not my best race, not my best time, not my best training cycle, nothing, any, anything else, but my favorite marathon, it, Honestly, it has to be Boston. That is mm. an experience that it, the there's Mecca nothing else marathons. like that. There's a reason. There's <laughs> there's a reason that Boston is special. It is really, really special. And I think mm. in my experience, there's very, I've never run any other marathon that you have the course lined with spectators the entire time. It's mm. there was There was maybe one mile running Boston uh, when I ran in 2016 that I could hear my own footsteps. And that is wow. a really strange thing in a marathon. And it's special. Yeah. It's so cool to find that kind of energy from a city and, and people around you just caring that you're running. Like when the elites went through a half hour ago or an hour ago, yeah. and they're still invested in what's going on. It, it's special and, mm. and something I highly recommend experiencing to, to everyone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been chasing the BQ for a while. So we'll see if I can get it. But I, I only hear good things. But I feel like with like, I'm doing London this April, and I've done it a few times. And I did Chicago last year. And I hear 
sort of similar comparisons to Boston of mm -hmm. like amazing crowds, you know, yada, yada, yada. But even with, you know, having experienced London and Chicago, there's still massive pockets of at least a few miles where there's just no one because it's either way out of the city or if you're in London, you're getting into Canary Wharf and it's just kind of boring and no one wants to go down there. So it's, it's hard, but I feel like Boston must must be incredible then. It it is in that sense. But say say more about London. I know that you've you've talked about your London experience on your pod and I've listened to a few episodes where it's your past Londons have come up, but um consider me someone who's on the fence I or I want to run London, I think I do, but um don't know don't know as much about it. What what about London makes you keep going back to it? Oh gosh, it's I think to me it's like my favorite marathon. I've only I've done 7 and I always think that this one's it's just really well organized if that's like even a thing to kind of categorize marathons, but it's also just the it, I, I love everything about it in terms of like, you know, being an expat living here and just ex having experienced so many different parts of it. But mm -hmm. like running over Tower Bridge at the halfway point is always just like magical, really, because there's that's where it's the most crowded, um, with the exception of the finish line as well. But just so many people lined. And that's like, I think that and the big half marathon in September are the only times where you can run along that road and cars just like aren't there. So I feel like getting those experiences in big cities where you're just like running on the road where typically, you know, there's a bunch of cars and cyclists. It's just super cool. But I, I definitely highly recommend that people do London if they can. Well, then I, I definitely will have, I have it on my list. I look forward to it at some point, but I know exactly what you're saying with that experience of experiencing the city that you live in, in a way that's impossible for anyone else at any other time. I ran two marathons in um, DC when I lived there and running the Marine Corps marathon the first time mm -hmm. there was a moment crossing the 295 bridge that it's not a beautiful bridge by any means. I don't know if you know where Interstate 295 <laughs> runs know. through DC. It, it couldn't be a, a less exciting bridge, but it's a major highway, major artery through a major capital city. And there's a surreal moment, even though you're 15, 16 miles into a marathon and your brain's starting to shut down in a lot of ways where you can't help but look around and think, they closed this for us today. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is cool. I get to see the city from here and no one does that. That's yeah, fun. no, absolutely. It's amazing. Um, and so with with running, and I know that you're continuously running, how did I guess like career wise, how did that then bring you to kind of want to pursue something where not only are you like doing that hobby and passion every day, and you're working towards that getting better and running, how did you then sort of decide or decide you wanted to go for, you know, bringing that into your career life? I decided to come into this work because of the um, the people, the runners, the end users, the customers that you engage with in this space. In college, I studied political science and history. Um, now I joke that I majored in track because that's <laughs> kind of directly what I'm using. But that said, I, I went to work in government for a couple of years right out of college. Um, I started working, first of all, I, I worked in a running store in school because like I mentioned, I ran division three, so I had to buy my own shoes and a little employee discount. Never, never hurt anybody. Definitely. Um, so got into it for that and really, really enjoyed that. Um, thought I was graduating, leaving it behind, going to do my grown up job with the suit and tie and work the work the big hours and for the government and something yeah. something important and oh, I'm growing up um, and I hated it like just really really <laughs> really really can't emphasize enough how much I hated that work but in the two years that I was doing it I had started picking up shifts at 
a local running store in DC on weekends. Shout out to Pacers Running Store. They were they they took me in and, and threw me into some shifts. And when it reached the point that I was working seven days a week and really enjoying Saturday and Sunday, sitting across from people and fitting shoes and really hating going to bed on Sunday night and really hating going to work on Monday morning. What occurred to me was that most citizens, most people who engage with government as a customer would engage with any other business, um, aren't choosing to. Like mm. you don't want to be there if you're yeah. if you're interacting with a government service. It's generally not um, something that you are doing for fun. One hundred percent of people walking into a running store are self-selecting to be there. Maybe it's not going to, maybe not everyone finds exactly what they want. Maybe um, some people come in and still in bad moods and sometimes you have difficult customer interactions. But at the end of the day, everyone you're working with wants to be there. And it was so obvious to me that if there was work to do in that space, it would be a lot more rewarding day to day. So I, I quit the government job. I started working for Pacers full-time, had the privilege of managing one of their smaller store locations for a while until I eventually took up with Adidas first as a tech rep a hundred years ago in 2012. <laughs> wow. That's really, really incredible. And sort of when you first started working at Adidas, like, did you start to see more of that passion and more of that, like kind of what you felt working in the running store in DC, did that feeling sort of start to come into your day to day during the week? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think um, your work feels really purposeful when it's related to something that you love, but it's also very, um, it's very rewarding to be in an environment of people who support or at least understand or relate to your passions. I think when I worked in, in government, one, one experience was at the end of the day, how normal, uh, how normalized happy hour was like everyone, ah, mm -hmm. oh, you got, we're leaving the office. You got to come down to the to the pub, and like I, I really want to get my run in. Like I, <laughs> I don't know how to fit this around that, but it was just normalized. This is what we're all doing: participate or don't. When you work amongst runners and every, you know, some people are training for the next marathon. Some people are running seven days a week because they're in that space. Some people aren't, but at least have been there or have sampled life enough to know what's going on. And you can say, hey, we've got this work trip or we've got this the sales meeting where we're all going to come together. But I know that we're going to plan time into the schedule that allows for runs. I know that when I want to go for a run, there are going to be people who want to go for a run. Mm -hmm. And here, 12 years plus later, you know, I can step out for a lunch run and at 11.55, stand up from the desk and say, who's running today? And a handful mm. of hands will go up, people are going to run. And it's, it's, it's easy to stay connected to your passion and not let it fall by the wayside when you're around people who are sharing that. So both mm. the people that we're making shoes for and the people that we get to work with day to day make, make life more rewarding. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's super, super cool. And I guess with the, the super rise, supernova rise shoe now, yeah. um, how did, sort of the initial thinking. I know that you went into detail in the presentation and I I'm not I'm not saying don't go into it again. You don't have sure. to. Um but I think what I found so interesting about that was like the target audience of the everyday runner. And mm -hmm. as someone who is a runner herself but also kind of sees other people on social media and a lot of 
like a lot of the messaging and push to say, you know, anyone can be a runner and, you know, really looking at the everyday runner. How did that sort of start? And what was the sort of um, starting point? Because I know that Adidas prior was more so known for like their incredible race day shoes. Yeah, I think that that's a very fair characterization, a good assessment. And it's where honestly, we knew we were at the time over the past couple of years. Working working here um, as long as I have and having worked in specialty running before this, you see a lot of brands go through these cycles and changes where your focus kind of moves in and out of different spaces. A few years ago, I guess almost five years ago, Adidas Running um, started a new, you could call it a strategic cycle from a business standpoint, but in general, thinking about running, started a new phase where the team here knew we wanted to reset what we were doing um, and revalidate what we could do in the, the sharp end of the performance space. And so a lot of great things had been happening in the Add a Zero family, our race day shoes, our fast training shoes um, for several seasons now, I think since 2019, 2020 products started getting really good and we were, we were building a, a great reputation in that space. Yeah. Um, no one here was under the impression that that is the product that every runner needs every day, all the time. It's great product that everyone can use and benefit from. Um, there's probably a difference in benefit between people who are chasing world records and people who are chasing personal bests or people who just want to get out the door on a day-to-day -day basis. But not everyone is using fast product. Not everyone is using race product all the time and probably shouldn't be, right? When you begin running or if you're running more, you're starting to run three, four, five days a week, have a shoe rotation or you have some foundational gear that is for your, your easier running. I'm I'm not running. I've run hundred mile weeks for big chunks of my running experience, and I've never done that all in a, a high performance shoe. Right? You have trainers, you have everyday yeah. shoes, um, and coming from like the retail experience, like sitting and working in specialty or working with specialty partners, you know, most of the people that we engage with in the running space, most runners are people who are starting from a basis of just needing a good trainer to get out the door and run easy. And that's a different need. Mm -hmm. Now I say all that and come back around to the idea that at, at Adidas, we think about the, the few and the many. Can you build the very best product for a handful of people to go after really inspiring performances that no one has seen before? Can we gain inspiration by being being there and part of the journey for people who are achieving world bests and winning Olympic medals and doing things in that vein? But that's not where most runners are. And so the gear change that happened after that was at the really came with the beginning of this relaunch. We knew that what we were doing in rebuilding a new supernova family was to start a new chapter where we would really invest in our, our energy and our time and reestablishing what our relationship was with everyday runners, with mm. real people, normal people, the, the yeah. many, um, the people who fill out and make up the, the packs at any London or Marine Corps Marathon or anywhere else at your neighborhood 10K or at a turkey trot or who have never signed up for a race in their life because that's not what defines you as a runner, but people who are mm. just going out and getting in a run from time to time. That's where the, the real um, bulk of the culture is because that's where the real bulk of runners are. Um, and we knew we were starting a process to, to re-engage in that space in a new way. And really interesting part of your presentation that I found when you were talking about, you know, target audience of the everyday runner was that you found that most of what made up the everyday runner was actually female runners. And right. does that 
what what did you find, I guess, like any interesting points with that and anything maybe that were interesting remarks in terms of feedback from other women? Yeah. So we, to, to your point, it is something that we kind of knew going into the start of this, that the majority of runners are women. If you look, you can you can track this by looking at how many shoes you sell, but you can also look at it by um, counting race participation and the way that uh, women's share of any road races has grown over the last 15 years. Most people, most of the customers in the space are women, mm. um, so it made the most sense to start there. What are what are we building for? What what are we going to do? We knew we wanted to make everyday trainers. We had a kind of north star of where we were going to go to, and then when you ask who should we ask what to make? The answer is survey women, right? Mm. And I think the thing you you were alluding to, we talked um, in December about doing a, a big broad survey of thousands of women runners and what the results that came back from that were when we asked the question, how do we, how do we build product that uh, inspires you to run and keep running? or inspires more people to become runners? What is the the formula for um, the trainers that'll make you feel inspired and feel like you can stay in running? It was the results that came back that were most interesting. Uh, and that's where we got clear directive to focus on comfort and support, but to think of those things as holistic experiences. I think mm. the thing that I most took, most strongly took away from looking at the results of that survey, in addition to the qualitative conversations we had when we sat down with um, like focus groups, you know, you sit with 20 or 30 women who are from, from a running community and in one city or another, we traveled around and did these. And as you talked through the qualitative inputs, there was so much about the holistic experience, comfort and support being an integration of cushioning and fit and everything working in harmony versus wanting a hero technology that says what it is and, and does something fantastic you've never seen before. And you're buying the shoe because of that one hero technology, whether that's a, an upper element or a foam or a cushioning, those things are great. We used great innovation in building a better shoe, mm. but understanding that balancing the whole experience is what would be most valued by the audience that we wanted to build product for helped us tremendously in focusing on how we did this, how we created a new product. Mm, that is really interesting. Cause I, and I guess like when it compares like the supernova rise, when you compare it to other everyday shoes, was there anything that you were trying not to do or you knew either based on survey results or something with you and your team? Was there something that other everyday shoes did that you were quite certain that you just didn't want for this specific shoe? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that other shoes do that we didn't <laughs> want for this shoe. Honestly, it was a long list and uh, we had to be honest with where we were um, in our everyday trainers before and how much we wanted to change. And, and even really simple things like, uh, honestly, I think that we hadn't put the work in that we needed to. We hadn't put the, the training and the time into getting our fit right before. There was so much to be done, both in terms of the materials you choose, uh, the technologies you build with, but the little detailed work of trialing a hundred different patterns that the naked eye can't see. There's a difference between pattern A, pattern B, and pattern C, but seeing how those actually work together, how those come together to make the the shape of a shoe work for more feet. We did deep, deep dives into all of the feedback we've ever gathered from runners, um, just looking at like uh, reviews on product and identifying not just, oh, does, does an Adidas everyday trainer fit narrow, but into the detail of like, 
where do most people find that they need more room in a shoe? Where should this be a more comfortable fit or where should this be more accommodating and really unpacking how you how you build to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I find that some everyday shoes or some shoes, especially when you think of like the terminology of like cushion and support, some shoes, and I won't say brands, but like like just have a really like large stack height and it's just all cushion mm-hmm. and it's just like, maybe too much for someone and then maybe some people need something that's a little more sturdier and something that's a little bit you know less cushioned or um but i know that yeah i guess that it's interesting to kind of look at user feedback and user research and in building that and was that also something that helped build and create the rest of the supernova line because i know that they're i don't know if you're allowed to speak about it but um just the other shoes that are set to come out in the supernova line Mm -hmm. yeah exactly i think i i really appreciate the point you're bringing up you you raised the example of of cushioning and there are so many shoes that are really really great at at one thing there are so many shoes that like what's the best shoe for energy return you can find that like you can test for that and find it what is the shoe that has the most cushioning well depending on how you define cushioning you can find that and test for that but you can't neglect anything else at the cost of being the best at one specific characteristic and i don't know how many times I've used the word harmonize in this building as we've talked about <laughs> balancing the characteristics and the benefits we wanted to get, but we wanted to build a shoe that feels harmonious. We wanted to build a range of products that balance all of the needs that you need in an everyday running shoe. That said, I also really don't believe in, and we don't believe here, um, we have a relatively big running shoe range. We don't believe that there's any one shoe that is the best running shoe for every person all the time. Hmm. We really believe that Shoes are tools. Runners have to find the footwear that is right for them individually. We can build an offering. Um, And so when we introduce a range like Supernova, uh, we've concentrated on a flagship, a hero in a shoe like Supernova Rise that should be the most... um, balanced and accessible experience for a lot of people regardless of like even like your price point like finding the shoe that you that you're comfortable with the fit that you're looking for but the level of support enters into things so we're we'll also introduce uh next week supernova solution and supernova stride Um, and those are two shoes that round out the offering of the supernova experience we Mm. always want every supernova shoe to be about the reliable harmonization of comfort and support. I know this is going to be comfortable enough and supportive enough for me to go out and get my daily miles in. Now, the difference between a rise and a solution is comes down to a lot to preference, comes down a lot to your biomechanics. I we've there's a lot of different studies both internally and externally on who can benefit from extra support in a shoe or more stability. Sometimes it's talked about as neutral versus stability. Yeah. Um, finding the right shoe for you. We know that your foot's going to be different from my foot is going to be different from the third person's foot. And maybe we can make a great shoe that feels better than anything all three of us have ever felt, but probably your most favorite shoe and my most favorite shoe could be slight variations of each other kind of tuning the amount of support. So we have a neutral shoe and rise and a stability shoe and solution. And that's kind of like a, a brother sister offering of same experience, but what feels experience a might be delivered by path one to person one and by path two to person two. And we end up feeling the same thing, but because our feet, one of us has slightly more flexible feet and one more rigid, are getting that in two different packages. Mm -hmm. And then introducing stride as well to have something that's a little simpler, 
a little bit lighter weight, just a little bit lower profile, delivering on that comfort and support experience in a really approachable, accessible way uh, to someone who's going to enjoy a slightly more simplified experience as well. And do you feel like between all of these shoes in terms of like experience, is it, does it mostly come down to like user preference or does like a gait analysis per se play a factor into that in terms of like what your body and your foot needs for you in order to support you best and keep you going for all those miles? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm a big, big believer and a big proponent of gait analysis, going and seeing an expert, whether that's going into a great retailer and, and um, working with a fit specialist who can do an assessment and help recommend product for you, or going through our wildly elaborate testing scenarios that we can do in our labs here. There's also... There's some really great um, external studies. This isn't coming from us, but there's um, some widely respected benchmarks in the industry that point to the idea that the shoe that feels best on your foot is the shoe that you're going to be best off running in. And so mm. your own filters, your own perception of, oh, this feels right on my foot is might be the best way to find the specific shoe that's right for you. Fortunately, there's so many great ways to do that now. We're living in a time when it's in, in a lot of places, in a lot of towns around the world, you can find your way into a great running specialty store and sit and get that experience or um, go into uh, an Adidas store and, and have a lot of product that you can try on and see what feels best. But we're also living in a world where that's partially an online experience. And thank goodness you can have a bunch of things shipped to you and try and see what feels best. Because like I said, there's there's a lot of good reasons to believe that what'll, what feels most comfortable on your foot is what you're going to run most comfortably in, in the long term. Mm-hmm. And have you had, has have you and your team have had any like really great pieces of feedback so far from users since the launch of the shoe? We have. Um, and that's, One thing is we're coming into like the full launch now. We're uh, about a week or two out from the full launch. When when we saw each other in December, we were doing a a limited beginning to this. We did some limited distribution just of um, one, uh, two colorways of the one shoe, the Hero Shoe and Supernova Rise. And the goal of that was to get out onto runners' feet in advance of launching a campaign and introducing a whole new range and full color assortments for multiple models. We wanted enough people to be able to try our product and validate, yeah, I do like this. Yeah, this is good. And of all of the things that we've heard, the thing that I've most enjoyed hearing every time it's come in was, yeah, she felt good when I put it on, but then I didn't think about it when I was running. The shoes disappeared Mm -hmm. on my foot. I could just think about my run. I wasn't conscious of the shoe. And that to me is always when you know that a great running shoe is doing its job. If someone says the shoe disappeared on my foot, I wasn't thinking about it, you know that it was doing the best job. The thing that beyond that, what we'd really been goaling was to excite people with the material benefits, the innovations that we've unlocked in that racing space. The reason that we were there a few years in advance is that the things that you innovate and design for the world's best athletes to run times that no one's ever seen before is then you can learn from how do we apply that to your everyday use case. I think we talked in December about taking inspiration from Lightstrike Pro, the foams that we use in Add a Zero, and tuning those, starting with the same base innovation, but tuning mm-hmm. their specific characteristics um, for what you would want in an everyday running shoe. And we wanted people to put on a shoe that feels more comfortable and more supportive than what they're used to before, what they haven't experienced, um, and getting the feedback that this is fun or this 
feels energetic, that this um, makes me feel like I want to run more is was exactly the thing we were going for. Yeah, I have to say out of like a lot of different everyday shoes that I've tried, I, I'd say the Supernova, what really was so interesting to me is that like I hear from people from time to time trying new shoes and they're like, am I supposed to feel this pain on this part of my foot? You know, am I, do I need to break in these shoes? And it just wasn't, it wasn't something that I either felt or ever have felt with the shoe versus like with some other shoes, it's like, it's quite apparent, like you go for your first run and you feel that pain in a specific area. And I think that there's, I don't know, a bit of a wrongful message online that you have to break in your running shoes. Um, when really, if it's, if it's, if you've gone and done the gait analysis, that should be the right fitted shoe for you. And it shouldn't cause you pain when you run. I honestly couldn't agree with you more. Honestly, I think that this is just me guessing. This is just one man's perception of what I've seen, both in my time working in, in running stores and my time I'm at Adidas. The the idea of breaking in a shoe feels to me a lot like something that's like an idea that's held over from other generations and other uses. Like our mm. grandparents would talk about breaking in a leather dress shoe. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, oh, you get a new shoe, it needs to be broken in. I agree with you completely. A great running shoe should feel great early. Now, there are I've definitely seen like the foam underfoot get softer in some shoes after two or three runs, and some people do prefer that and do notice that. But you should be happy with a running shoe the first time you run in it. And there are those shoes exist. Those are possible to find and get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, other than um, the exciting launch of sort of just the entire launch coming out and the additional shoes coming out in the line, is there anything else sort of exciting in the pipeline, either for you or for Adidas that you're happy to share? Yeah, um, honestly, we're relentless. I um it feels kind of weird to admit this when we're right now celebrating and talking about and launching new product, but I am also part the team is already working on this, the products that we'll introduce in this family in 2026. Mm. Like we work, wow. we work way down the pipeline in multiple phases at the same time. Like we're finalizing color and communication strategy and launch activities for a season that we're in at the same time that we're kind of dialing the final, um, like most essential performance characteristics of the next iteration of that shoe at the same time that we're testing materials and design ideas and wild blue sky concepts for the third thing after that. So you're like working in different stages at the same time. So it is constant. That's not to say that we're going to keep changing things up dramatically. One thing that we really want to do is an establish um, some consistency for the Supernova family. We know that as runners, it's really important to people that when they find a shoe that works for them, you should be able to count on that shoe existing two years from yeah. now, three years from now, five years from now. Um, so we've been working really hard on establishing what the Supernova experience and especially the Supernova Rise experience is and will be from here. Um, but continuing to challenge ourselves on pushing how can how can we keep improving over time and not not stand flat-footed, not not sit and wait for the future. Yeah. So the, the work is never stopping. Um, <laughs> and there's also going to be some opportunities for us to expand and iterate this this new Supernova family. Um, I talked about launching three shoes so that runners can find their specific tool in the toolbox, what's going to work best for them. As we get into future seasons, either later this year or into next year, we're going to 
do some things around seasonality and weather conditions mm. and opportunities to dial the experience underfoot and find exactly your favorite shoe. So in, in building Supernova Rise, I think we've built something that is going to surprise a lot of people that's going to um, make a lot of people very happy and be very accessible and approachable for a huge number of runners. But we're also going to keep finding iterations of that experience for if you like that, but plus a little salt or plus a little salsa or plus a little, you know, <laughs> with a side of uh, broccoli. Like we're, we're going to keep playing in that space um, and making sure that we um, can deliver some some new excitement for runners. Wow, that's awesome. I can't even believe to think what, what goes into a two, three-year product timetable or project plan, but um, yeah. I, I I feel like it must be so exciting there. And um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear about. But um, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and just talking about this more. And um, I think it's such a great thing to kind of hear more about and just for the everyday runner and kind of the attention that everyday runners are getting from Adidas, I think is so cool in a shoe. And so, yeah, I just want to say thank you for coming on and kind of sharing more about that and really appreciated your time. Thank you, Liz. It's a huge, huge pleasure. Honestly, a privilege to get to share a little bit more of our story that we're so passionate and excited about and and couldn't thank you enough for the for, for giving us a platform and opportunity to talk and uh, to, to be here with you is a tremendous privilege. No, of course. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I will have JT's details in the show notes of the episode, as well as links to the Supernova Rise line. Very exciting and cannot wait to see what comes out in the launch. Otherwise, if you ever have any questions, you can shoot me a DM or email, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye.